we bow down and say, Lord God Almighty, hallelujah. The earth is for your glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you would, let's, in honor of what this weekend entails, Memorial Day, Labor Day, we, we honor the service of this country. We honor those that serve this country, but we also honor those that make this country go. So if you would, let's just join hands right now. Let's all go to, to the throne in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, oh, Daddy, you did a wonderful job with the men this morning in setting the table and ushering in your presence. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to inhabit our praises. We welcome you to saturate this environment, the atmosphere, with your love, your joy, your peace, your goodness. And right now we come together as a church family thanking you for the privileges that we have in this country. Albeit it's not perfect, we thank you that you are perfect in it. We celebrate and we honor all those that have worked to make it what it is. And we just thank you, Father, that you have sealed every heart that's committed to you. That we continue to prosper in advancing your kingdom in magnifying you, in glorifying you in word and in deed. We thank you, Father, as we celebrate and honor this weekend that we acknowledge as Labor Day weekend. So, Father, right now as we come together as your children before your throne, we thank you for what is about to happen on this morning. We pray right now that your presence is made evident, that you Magnify, you are magnified in this place that you confirm your word with signs and wonders following. I decrease that you may increase, Holy Spirit, within me. I'm nothing but your everything. So I just thank you that as your word is shared, that you seal your word in the hearts of your people, that no one leaves here the same, but they are committed to growth and walking in your love towards them and responding in their love towards themselves, you and one another. So we thank you right now for every heart that's changed, for what you will manifest and what you'll share on this morning. In Jesus' name, and all those that are in agreement said, amen, amen. While you're being seated, just give a high five to three of your neighbors and say, it's good to see you on this morning. Praise God. And let's give it up for our men's choir. They're sounding gooder and gooder. I mean, I, I have to say there might be a little tinge of anointing missing because my husband's not up there, but that's all right. Just a little tinge, just a little, little, little bitty bit. Well, um, how y'all doing this morning? Blessed. You're blessed, highly favored and empowered to rut, prosper. So praise God. Um, uh, please forgive me in advance. I'm in recovery mode. I see all these jerseys up here. <clears throat> I wore just the maze because I am feeling blue. But um, praise the Lord. If you're into college football and you know me a little bit, you know what I'm talking about. All right, I have something to lighten that load, though. And for those of you that are viewing us by way of uh, online social media platforms, 
Welcome, welcome, welcome. Get ready. It's going to be a, a good, good, good time on this morning, but I believe the Holy Spirit has a specific and divine message, and we're going to end this service by praying for the women of God in this place. Amen. Um, if you are a first-time visitor, um, I'm the co-pastor, but the, the man that's in charge, the one that God has anointed over this place is my dearly beloved husband, Pastor Joel Gregory. And if you're visiting for the first time, I do invite you to come back to receive of the anointing that's on his life. He is a blessing, but uh, he is right now um, recovering from his Father's Day gift. <laughs> you know, you spend all that money to go to South Bend, Indiana, and they lose. It's all right, I'm going to spend some time in prayer over the whole situation. So, the wife one day came to her husband and she says, Honey, I have a bag full of clothing that I'd like to donate. The husband says, Well, why not just throw it in the trash? That's just so much easier. And she says, But there are poor, starving people all throughout this country who could really use all of my clothes. And the husband says, honey, I love you. But anyone who can fit into your clothes is not starving. <laughs> the husband is currently recovering from a head injury at Grady Memorial Hospital. Praise God. So we're going to pick up and we're going to conclude today on the series called The Pattern. And this portion of the message, I just simply named it The Final Cut. You all know I've been talking about the lady and the tramp for a long time, but I think you all get it. We're going to talk a little bit about that. When I say the lady and the tramp, uh, go back and receive and listen to the messages, uh, the four messages before now. But um, talking about just the two, two platforms upon which a lady can walk in. The foundational scripture here is Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10, and it says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. We talked about why God might have chose the term or, or put the price labeled in the, in the position of rubies and what that means. Second foundational scripture is 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, where Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, Albeit for this cause, I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. Each one of you are living out something. You are. And if you are in Christ prayerfully, you're living out the pattern by which Jesus established on the earth. Paul is simply saying, hey, Jesus and his long suffering and his endurance and his love for me has allowed me to walk in the pattern that he established in me so that I can be a pattern to those that are watching me. So, Timothy, I'm just a pattern, but I want you to walk in the fullness of what God has called you to walk in. So we spent some time talking about the virtuous woman, spent some time talking about the female that God created, spent some time talking about the woman that God made, spent some time talking about the woman that the Satan deceived. Even going to spend some time talking about that strange woman. But no one understand that no one is a duplication. There is no two people on the earth exactly alike. I don't care if there are identical twins. You have a pattern by which you can feel this person called Jesus and fill it with all the glory that he made you with. If you're loud and energetic, be loud and energetic for Jesus. 
If you're quiet and prissy, be quiet and prissy for Jesus. But whoever you are and whoever and however he designed you, you can be all that for Jesus. You can be all that and still be the pattern of a virtuous woman. You can be all that and be a pattern for everything wrong, that strange woman. Okay? So let's start here. Proverbs chapter 5, if you would, turn with me there. And I'm not going to let the word do the work on this morning. Sometimes we spend too much energy trying to evoke emotion. And although emotion is good, we can't live off of emotion. So I want you to pay very close attention to the reading. I, I decided on purpose to read two different versions of this. Believing and knowing that God will do what he needs to do in your reading of this. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read first from the Amplified Classic and then from the message. He says, my son, this is Solomon talking to his sons. Solomon, if you know anything about like recorded history and biblical history, we know that Solomon ended his life married to hundreds of women. That's one thing he, that was his, that was his suffering in the earth, women. Let me leave that alone. My son, he's talking. Listen to how it's put here in the like literal translation. Be attentive to my wisdom, godly wisdom, learned by actual and costly experience. And incline your ear to my understanding of what is becoming and prudent for you. That you may exercise proper discrimination and discretion and your lips may guard and keep knowledge and the wise answer to temptation. This is a father talking to his son, warning his son. He says, the, the, the interpretation in the message says, Dear friend, pay close attention to this, my wisdom. Listen very closely to the way I see it. Then you will acquire a taste for some good sense. What I tell you will keep you out of trouble. Again, advice from a father who's lived a little bit of something. And the Holy Spirit deemed it necessary to make this a part of his preserved holy written word for thousands and thousands of years. See, the condition of man hasn't changed. Just the times have. You know, some of you know we're, we've moved, we're packing, we're doing a whole bunch of moving around right now, and I stumbled across something, and this was so good, I ripped it, and before I realized that I ripped it, I was like, well, forget it, it's out of there now. This is from a journal insert, and it's dated 8-22-1994. Game over. He's fired, and I'm tired. What started out as a bet has ended up in lies, anger, hurt, and now 14 stitches. Here I am, 24 and done with all this mess. What is this anyway? Do I really want to be married? Is this really what it's hyped up to be? Is anyone really real anymore? I beeped them five times. Now, this is 1994, so beepers were still, you know. 
I beeped him five times. And if he would have responded, I would have still kept on being deceived. It seems like everyone is trying to find someone to give them something they don't have. To be honest, I knew, I'm not going to say his name, I knew blank couldn't possibly be what I really wanted and expected in a man, not a real man anyway. Shoot, he can't even keep a job. <laughs> the truth be told, I can't make something that I'm not. I can't make a man no more than a man can make a woman. I'm done. I'm focusing on me, myself, and I. If you're from that era, you know what, what I'm talking, what that song, that was a reflection of a song. <laughs> God is you and me until the grave. I'm all about my God, my space, my time, my money, and my business. There's nothing like being a smart fool. Think you got all the answers only to end up tripping over your own lies, lines, and ambition. From now on, I'm all about me. If it happens, it happens. If not, I'm cool with it. I'm not creeping. Club scenes are whacked, and I'm not scared of being alone. I guess if I'm down with me, nothing else matters except you. Now, this is me talking to God. Anyway, who lies about having a kid? I feel stupid about, I feel stupid, but I'm almost thankful that I dodged that bullet. Because if he'll lie about that, he'll definitely lie about me. But even my boys are getting played, and they don't even care. How do you do that? This is one of my boys in the neighborhood, blank his name, spending money on every chick crossing his path, and then end up calling them a chicken head, a sack chaser, or a... I wrote a cuss word in there. <laughs> 1994, I was still working. I told you I had to be dipped a few times. <laughs> but he keep chasing after the same, th same type. I guess that's his own cross to bear. He say he want a wife, but he keep ending up with chicken heads. I'm just glad he's not gunning for me. Then I skip down a little bit. He says, so now, surgery's in three days. There's no way I can explain this to Cam, doing this with, at that time, my one-year-old goddaughter in the back seat. I'll always have this scar to remind me of how stupid I'm capable of being. Well, that's done. Gone. Forever. <laughs> Dated 8 1994 See, on my hand is a scar. I was dating this dude. It started out as a bet. My girls bet me, you know, he was into a different type of life, and he was, you know, a thug. And bet me, you better bet you can't make a thug fall in love with you. <laughs> and so we get involved. And one of the things back, for me, back in that time, I didn't want to get involved with somebody that had, a, had, had children. I was just 23, 24 years old. That was for me at that time. And I find out this one day, I'm beeping, I'm beeping, beeping, and this dude will always call me right back. And he didn't. Something's up. So me knowing that something was up, and I'm babysitting my goddaughter, who's just as over a year old, Put her in the back seat of my car, and I zoom over to his grandmother's house, because you know he, was, he ain't got a job, he's living with his grandmother. 
And I look in the window, and he's, you know, I'm, ans- I'm knocking on the door, and he's not answering. So I go and look in the window, and this little girl is hugging him and kissing him, and, and then and she's screaming, and the lady is saying, that's your daddy, that's your daddy. I explode. Now, I told you I've been, God has done a great work with me. I've come a long way. And I, bam. My first response to a lot of things, because I grew up in an abusive, relation, uh, an abusive household for a little while, my resp- first response oftentimes was violence. And before I knew it, I was boiling. They wouldn't answer the door, and I went, bam. I busted a two-pane window. And the glass came down so hard that it severed and almost cut off my thumb. And so this here is the day after, because surgery was about three days later, because they had to go and do cosmetic surgery inside my thumb, inside my hand to reconstruct it so I can use it. So now even today, it keeps me humble. Let me tell you about four creative truths. Four creative truths, how we were created. That this, I mean, this could not have been more timely, but that I realized in reading this, we were created to love. First one, we were created to love. We desire it, we crave it, we need it. Love sustains us. I don't care where you've come from, what the circumstances or the consequences of your birth was. Someone loved themselves and there's an inkling of enough love for you to keep you until this day, that day of birth. God loved you enough to sustain this earth to see you to it. We are sustained by love. The second one, people cannot meet our deepest need for love. No one can. But yet we spend so much time looking for someone to love us unconditionally. It's not fair. No one has the capacity to meet us at our deepest need of love. And the most sincerest, bestest, most God-fearing of us try. We try to be everything our spouse needs. We try to be everything our kids need. But we fail. Because there's a lock inside of every human being, and only one has the key. And his name is Jesus. Only one. And I like to speak from the perspective, because I come from an international background, Grew up exposed to a lot of different um, nationalities and beliefs. Very exposed to Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists. But it's a universal truth. Regardless of what you believe, there is a notion, there is a yearning, there's a longing in humanity that seeks for something beyond themselves. But what I've learned over time is that every other religion, every other belief, every other faith, albeit moral in conscience, do not seek after a relationship. It only seeks after rules, regulations, obedience, and rewards. 
But see, Jesus, he came. He died. He spent time. He talked because he longs for a relationship. The third one. This is a quote from a Hindu. Being deeply loved by someone gives you strength while loving someone deeply gives you courage. When we try to achieve the picture of relationships that's in our head, when we get with somebody because they seem to be everything that we need or want in a person, we formulated these, this preconceived notion of how the relationship could go. And because of that, it will always entail manipulation, control, and the robotic participation of the other. And then we set ourselves up for failure, resentment, anger, and even pain. We have to realize that relationships with people is an act of faith and courage. When we decide to love, when we decide to partner, when we decide to be dependent upon, and we decide, when we decide to depend upon others, it is an act of faith and it requires courage. When you say I do to somebody with the intent of it being till death do us part, it takes a tremendous amount of faith and a tremendous amount of courage to believe that that other person believes and is committed likewise. Which is why you can't get hung up on what they aren't or what they're not. You can only be hung up on what you're willing to be. Number four, we will, this is another quote. Now, Kristen Langley Alba wrote it, but I added to it. We will repeat what we don't repair, repent, or replace. We will repeat it. If we don't repair it, repent of it, or replace it. There was this meme I ran across, and it says, have you ever spent hours trying to mentally break up with someone that you were never really in a relationship with after imagining your whole life together? And that, that being in a relationship or never really having been in a relationship really entails, when you think about it, three pe different types of people when you're in that position. It's either the one that you knew, you know, that old friend that you thought you could get a spark out of, that coworker, or someone that you knew, but it ain't nothing happening. But you're imagining a relationship with that person. The one that you thought you were in a relationship, but then they turn around and say, we're just friends or the one you were with only to encounter that that wasn't the real person. See, today, in today's society, the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because relationships, like I said, makes the world go round. And social media, it's, it's, social media is a blessing, but it's also a curse. You know, Tinder for divorced men and women only, plenty of fish, these chat rooms, social media in general, is so much out there feeding a notion that a real relationship just is supposed to be easy, sexual, and all about fun. And therefore, they feed a notion that true love is diminished into not really having the sanctities of commitment, sacrifice, and honor. 
and people are perpetuating unhealthy, short-term, and even abusive outcomes because they buy into what this here digital realm has produced. I'm all for dating sites. I don't see anything wrong with them personally. I know plenty of couples have been married 10, 15, 20, 25 years that met on a dating site. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the degeneration of true love and relationships. The degeneration of what it is to be in a committed relationship. The reason why this is so important, because how we treat each other repetitively ultimately equals how we deal with and treat God. He says it in 1 John chapter 4, how can you love or hate your brother, which you see, but then say you love me that you don't see? You lie and deceive yourself. See, when you believers are taught and you know something, don't allow the enemy to trick you out of what you truly desire. You just have to know that you have to have the faith and the courage and the patience enough to obtain it. I don't care if you're currently married and you're in a marriage that needs improvement. We all could stand some improvement, a tune-up every now and then. Or whether you're desiring to be married. Or whether you like been there, done that, I don't want to be married, never been married, I'm done with it. But guess what, the woman of God, you're going to marry someone or something. Every woman, that's how you were created. You will give yourself to someone or something. I know plenty of women who have husbands, but they're really married to their job. They're really married to their children. They're really married to their pets. They're really married to their organization. They're really married to their sorority. You're going to marry someone or something. And know this, evil does not discriminate. Women can be just as maniacal as men. And if that was not established from the beginning, let me say it right now. God made both of them. He put both of them in the earth spiritually. And he gave both of them the same assignment. It's just that the way in which they would fulfill that assignment would be different. But both of them had the ability to multiply, replenish, dominate. Both of them had authority in the earth. She was deceived, he disobeyed. Both of them gave up some privileges. All right? So when both of them gave up those privileges, evil came in the earth. Man's mind was elevated above his spirit. So evil does not discriminate. Evil is not a sexist. Sin is not a, a, a part of the Me Too movement. or womanizing. Sin is that. He don't care who's involved. Black, white, red, yellow, blue, male, female, young, old, big, small. He doesn't care. So when it comes down to relationships and when, when, when women are being maniacal, perhaps whether it's out of deception or ignorance or even desperation, but today we're going to learn a little bit about what that looks like so that you can make conscious decisions on who you want to be and who you want to serve. I started with a joke because I knew it was going to get a little deep today. <laughs> so let's talk about 
this strange woman. Y'all remember, I thought about this more. I, mean, I know I'm in church, but you know, I just, I'm not churched. <laughs> so you remember that song back in the 70s, 80s? Strange, and I like it. Y'all remember that? So. They didn't know what they were talking about. Didn't know at all. But let's talk about the strange woman. The word strange here in the Hebrew means a foreigner, someone who does not belong, to go away or to turn aside, one that's profane or contrary to community effort. So that's what he's talking about here. When he talks about a strange woman, uh, I, I termed it before Lady and the Tramp, the Tramp being just someone who wanders, who doesn't know. It's almost synonymous with strange. But listen to what the Amplified has to say. And like I said, I'm, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here because I believe the word is going to do the work. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 3 through 23. I'm going to read first from the Amplified, and then I'm going to reread it from the message. And I think you would have gotten it by then. Verse 3. For the lips, I've already read 1 and 2 from the Amplified, so now we're picking up verse 3 from the Amplified. For the lips of the loose woman drip honey as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil a father talking to his sons. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood. See, wormwood, when you taste it, when it's in your mouth, it's sweet, but when it gets down to your digestive tract, it turns into like a poison. Sharp as a two-edged and devouring sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold to of shells. Hades, the place of the dead. She loses sight of and walks not in the path of life. Her ways wind about aimlessly, and you cannot know them. Now, therefore, my sons, listen to me and depart not from the words of my mouth. Let your way in life be far from her, and come not near the door of her house. Avoid the very scenes of temptation, lest you give your honor to others and your years to those without mercy." Let strangers and false teachings take their fill of your strength and wealth, and your labors go to the house of an alien from God. And you groan and mourn when your end comes, when your flesh and your body are all consumed. And you say, oh, how I hated instruction and discipline, and my heart despised reproof. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers or submitted and consented to those who instructed me. The extent, check this out, he's warning him about a woman, strange women, but listen to how he says the involvement of strange women, what this lends itself to. He says, the extent and boldness of my sin involve almost all evil in the estimation of the congregation and the community. In other words, my involvement with the strange women impacted the congregation, this is a believer now, and the community. Instead, in verse 15, he says, drink waters out of your own cistern of a pure marriage relationship and fresh running waters out of your own well. Should your offspring be dispersed abroad as water brooks in the streets? Confine yourself to your own wife. Let her children be for you alone. Let your children be for you alone and not the children of strangers with you. Let your fountain of human life be blessed with the rewards of fidelity and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let her be as a loving hind and pleasant doe, tender, gentle, attractive. Let her bosom satisfy you at all times and always be transported with delight in her love. Why should you, my son, be infatuated with a loose woman? 
embrace the bosom of an outsider and go astray. For the ways of man are directly before the eyes of the Lord. And he who would have us live soberly, chastely, and godly carefully weighs all man's goings. His own inequities will ensnare the wicked man, and he shall be held with the cords of his sin. He will die for lack of discipline and instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray and be lost. Say on that. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 3 through 23, the message interpretation says it like this. The lips of a seductive woman are oh so sweet. And her soft words are oh so smooth. But it won't be long before she's like gravel in your mouth, a pain in your gut, a wound in your heart. She's dancing down the primrose path to death. She's headed straight for hell, and she's taking you with her. She hasn't a clue about real life, about who she is or where she's going. So my friend, listen closely, and don't treat my words casually. Keep your distance from such a woman. Absolutely stay out of her neighborhood. You don't want to squander your wonderful life to waste your precious life among the hard-hearted. Why should you allow strangers to take advantage of you? Why be exploited by those who care nothing for you? You don't want to end your life full of regrets, nothing but sin and bones, saying, oh, why didn't I do what they told me? Why did I reject a disciplined life? Why didn't I listen to my mentors or take my teachers seriously? My life is ruined. I have one blessed thing to show for my life. So instead, do you know the saying, drink from your own rain barrel, draw water from your own spring-fed well? It's true. Otherwise, you may one day come home and find your barrel empty and your well polluted. Your spring water is for you only, not to be passed around among strangers. Bless your flesh flowing fountain. Enjoy the wife you married as a young man, lovely as an angel, beautiful as a rose. Don't ever quit taking delight in her body. Never take her love for granted. Why would you trade enduring intimacies for cheap thrills with a whore? They said it, I didn't. <laughs> for dalliance with a promiscuous stranger. Mark well that God doesn't miss a move you make. He's aware of every step you take. The shadow of your sin will overtake you. You will find yourself stumbling all over yourself in the dark. Death is the reward of an undisciplined life. Your foolish decisions trap you in a dead end. I don't think I have to explain that any further. Now, the virtuous woman and the strange woman, they desire the same thing, to love and be loved but they go about it trusting in something contrary to one another. Humanity evolves around relationships. And believe it or not, God created humans for an intentional, willing, decisive relationship with him. That was the whole premise of his creation of us, to be in relationship with someone, with a creation that wanted to be in relationship with him, not had to be in a relationship with him. So at the end of the day, whether we're talking about the blueprint for the man or the pattern for the woman, the end of the day, what you focus on will eventually grow. 
We can focus on that blueprint and be all that, but not get to the root of what this is all about. We can focus on the pattern and be the virtuous woman doing all that with God knows what kind of energy and, not, and miss the point. If, who we, if what we focus on eventually grows, if we're focusing on experiences, then our experiences will get out of control. But if we focus on who we are and who God made us to be, we will repeat and grow that. We will. So the point of all this at the end of the day is to love God, love yourself, and love your neighbor. If you do that, relationships will come easy. See, we miss loving God because we don't love ourselves. And we cannot give God or somebody else what we don't have for ourselves. And oftentimes, we, because we're limited in that capacity, we, 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 we create our own philosophies. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. This is the point of it all. To know the love of Christ was passage knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Again, to know the love of Christ was passage all knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Knowing and understanding that there is no way that you can understand how God loves you. You cannot explain it. You cannot define it. You cannot illustrate it because his love is beyond what you are able to understand. But when we, when we saturate ourselves with this all-knowing God who sees everything that we does but doesn't care and loves us anyway, he says, then we can be full with all the fullness of God. Love is not external. Loving God is not external. Receiving his love is not external. It can only be done by the Spirit. When we fall in love with somebody, when I read that, yeah, I can't say that I was in love with them. I was just trying to, I thought I was loving him. Because I thought that I was going to add a better life to this thug. I was just trying to control and manipulate. Trying to get out of him what I thought I needed. But see, true love is beyond what you know. True love is beyond what you know. And he says, when, when you know the love of Christ, this is Paul's prayer for the saints, to know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge, that you might be filled with the fullness of God, of who he is, being confident of him showing up for you, not just right on time, but when you call him. See, when you engage in your, you, this has to be done from the spirit. It cannot be done from what you think in your intellect. It can't be. Because then you'll notice where God missed it. Why did you allow this? How did this happen to me? God, where were you when this happened? That's from the outside in. But when you love him and when you are engaged spiritually, it's not about what he allowed. It's about, now you realize it's about what you blocked. But he's still there to love you through it and still get you to where you need to go. God's love doesn't make sense. This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. He says that he will grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in what? 
being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. He's saying when you're rooted and grounded in God's love, to know the love, he repeats himself in 19, and to know the love of Christ that passes all knowledge. Now here we go. Verse 20. And unto him who is able to do exceedingly above all, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. When you know God, you trust God. But to trust God is to know him. And this is not some cliche. Because, see, the world is getting darker. And there is come a, segre- there's a, come a dividing line where he said even the very elect will be deceived. And if there's nothing else you got from the blueprint or from the pattern, get this. God will satisfy your deepest love when you choose to trust and know him. When you choose to trust and know that God loves you, all he sees is, he said, the faith of a mustard seed. Just a little bit of faith. You don't have to be able to, to quote the entire book of John, but just know a little bit and trust in that. Because one word from God can change all eternity. He says, you can move mountains when you know and love me. He says, you can win battles when you know and love me. He says, you can get delivered when you know and love me. You can live free when you know and love me. You can have peace when you know and love me. Guess what? You will know love when you know and love me. God isn't looking for perfect but he is looking for someone with whom he could be supernatural. He is. He's looking for someone that will show him off so that he can show them off. He is looking for someone that will say, you know what? I know how raggedy they are. And I know you, you somebody else, your, the, the enemies think you deserve less than this, but just because of who I am and because of how much I love you and how much I know you're trying to love me, I'm about to show you off. I'm not going to deny who you are. Understand this, in the book of Genesis chapter 32, Jacob, anybody know the story of Jacob really quickly? Jacob was the son of Isaac. There's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We know Abraham, when God met Abraham, when God encountered Abraham, his name was called Abram. And he changed his name to Abraham because of the covenant that he established with him. And that's what Abraham became known as, as Abraham, for the rest of the Bible. Then he told Abraham to name him Isaac. Isaac meaning laughter. Because I want to laugh at the enemies that doubted me. And that's what... Abraham called Isaac, and that's what history calls Isaac. But see, then Isaac has this dude called Jacob. Actually, he has twins, Esau and Jacob. But see, in Isaac's house, even though he was a man of God, he still had favorites. Esau was his favorite. Jacob was his mama's favorite. Jacob was, you know, he was, he was, he was a jokester. He wasn't real serious. He wasn't real mature in life. He messed up. He made, I mean, he was conniving and he was deceiving. Even from the wound, it says that he reached his hands first out and the nurse tied a red string around his hand and then he snatched it back and then his brother came out. He cheated his brother out of a birthright. He cheated his brother out of his inheritance. I mean, he was something else. In fact, he knew that he was something else. Jacob called God the God of Abraham and my father, of Isaac. He never called him his God until. After he had been tricked, after he had been duped, after he had been deceived, after he had been rejected, after he had been cheated out of, now he's running away. 
And while he's with his family in this desert, God says, I'm still, I still love this dude. I still have a commitment to this dude. I still have a covenant with this dude. So even though he's denying me, even though he's not much of mine, I still showed up for him. I still delivered him. I've still been with him. And then in this mountain, in this desert, Jacob wrestles with an angel of God. And for a while there, it looks like Jacob is winning. For a while there, he made sense out of God. For a while there, he thought he had the answers. For a while there, he was getting it done his way. But it was, it was, God always got something up his sleeve. So the angel of God touched his thigh, his hip. <laughs> and Jacob says, now I know that you are God. For I've seen him face to face and did not die. Now let's speed up in Exodus. I'm just relating this to you. It's in the notes. So if you have the YouVersion Bible app, go in the notes. But in the notes in Exodus chapter 3, see what ends up happening right after that encounter in the desert, God says to him, let me tell you the scripture exactly, in Genesis 32 verse 30, and Jacob called the, place of the, the name of that place Peniel, and for I've seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Later on, God renames Jacob Israel. He names him Israel. In fact, so much so that all of his people were called Israel, being the Messiah. And so, but over and over again, the Bible refers to him as what? Jacob. God renamed him Israel. Every so often you see him refer to him as Israel. But instead, consistently in Exodus, when Moses is at the mountain and he asks God, who do I say you are? He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, mind you, this is Israel he's bringing out. But I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, I'm still in love with that boy. I'm still committed to who he was as well as who he is. I still can deal with his mess. Yes, I have the covenant with Abraham. Yes, he's the product of my covenant is Isaac. But I still, and even though I renamed him Israel, it doesn't mean that I rejected who he was before. I still love him. I still have a covenant with him. And I'm still obligated to him. So you tell them that's who I am. I'm not denying who he was, but I'm loving him through who he was until he gets to where he is. Let me close with this story. You know, we just, my husband and I, we just joined this organization. And joining this organization, it has tight security. And, you know, to get into where the facility is, you have to go through these gates. And these gates have these electronic wands. And um, you have to have this tag on your car to get through the wand or have this pass. So I made sure that the other cars had the tag on it. I left it up to my husband to make sure that my car had the tag on it. Was the tag on it? He said he went there and it said, be back in 10 minutes. So he said he couldn't get it done. He forgot all about it. I forgot all about it. But I noticed every time I'm driving to this place, my, my car, I'm thinking the tag is on there. 
I'm thinking I have access. I know that I fulfilled the application. I know I gave them the inf information. I know I paid the money. I'm thinking I know that I have access. So every time I drive to the gate, the gate wouldn't work. I would turn the car, back it up, move over a little bit, but eventually the gate would open. And I was like, okay, well, so I gotta learn how to position it. And this was going on for about two weeks. And I know these people's like, What's, you know, and so I'm positioning, backing up, backing, holding up traffic that's coming in behind me. And then one day I was like, it's been two weeks, I still haven't figured this thing out. And I got, you know, I got to the parking space, I come out, I was like, do I have a tag? And I looked on the front, I was like, there is no tag. <laughs> but just like Jacob and how God was with him, I knew I belonged there. I knew I had access. I knew I, that they knew my name. I knew they recognized my car. When I went over there, I was like, Miss Lee, why didn't anybody tell me for the past two weeks? I'm driving up in here and ain't nobody said that I didn't have a tag. They said, oh, because we knew who you were. We recognize your car. And we figured it's just a matter of time before you. <laughs> figured it out. Understand this, beloved. No matter where you are in life, or what your circumstances are, God has given you access. Because of his desire to be in relationship with you, whether you take advantage of it or not, because see, the person who don't know that they have access, they would have turned around and left. Now realizing that, I probably put them on a guest pass. I probably gave them access, but they don't realize they have access, they're gonna turn around and leave. But when you're in covenant with God Almighty, your experiences don't deny you access. Your past does not deny you access. Your bad decisions do not deny you access. Your sickness does not deny you access. Your hurt and destroyed relationship does not deny you access. We have, might have scars to remind us of our lack of access. But I'm saying to you today, God loves you. And his ultimate desire for you in the blueprint or in the pattern is that you love yourself enough to say, I receive your love for me and I can have everything you died for me to have. <clears throat> now to the woman, because that's specifically who this was geared to, even though all these scriptures were written to men. Virtuous woman, Proverbs 31, was written to a son. This was written to a bunch of sons. Women, know and understand that you are not defined by who you are associated with beyond God. Amen. And if that's what's on display, guess what? That's all that matters. He's got you in your darkest moments. Believe it or not, as much as I love my husband and as much as I know he loved me, there was a time in our marriage early on where I was married but felt so alone. 
felt so alone. So I'm running around everywhere trying to fulfill ministry, trying to fulfill wifehood, trying to fulfill motherhood, thinking that this was going to fulfill me. My busyness did not fulfill me. I had to get back on my knees, get back in my closet, get back on my face, and receive exactly the fountain of love that I knew was there. But it's easy to get away, to get off on that. And women, we tend to lend ourselves so much to others that we zap our own love for ourselves. And we have to ask ourselves, what am I looking for by spending myself for others at the expense of not taking care of myself, not learning to love myself, not learning to receive the love God has for me. So, ladies, I'm going to pray with you. We're going to close this out right here. Ladies, would you please stand? I'm going to pray with and for you right now. Because society is making the divide greater and greater and greater. And he's trying to cause animosity and division and contention between more and more people. It's getting so bad now that women are, will fight women over the man who cheated. Come on now. We're not protecting one another. We're judging one another. I know it's none of you here, which is why I'm praying with and for you, because you are the light that's going to change that situation. You know, I had somebody tell me not too long ago, I can't, and she was a black woman, and she says to me, I can't stand dealing with and being around black women. But it was because of the rejection she experienced from her own mother. And she walked into a room instantly feeling rejected because that was put in her. But again, going back to who you are, how God made you, and receiving his love can change that entire environment, can change your entire persona, can change your entire perspective where you can take hold of everything that that environment and that God in that environment has for you. Amen. So let's join together and just receive. Ladies, if there's a woman near you, hold her hand. Let's just be in faith and receive this right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are your beloved daughters. I just know and believe and thank you that you made us your crown creation. So, Father, right now, I just pray that we as not only sisters and daughters of you, but the part of the miraculous production of your creativity. Walk in a unity of love and sound mind of perfect peace, Father, that only you can provide. May the eyes of our understanding continue to be enlightened. May we continue to be rooted and grounded in the love upon which you died for and gave to us. May we receive the miracle of your broken body and your shed blood. May we walk in the covenant of all that you promised us, life and that more abundantly. May we shun evil and yearn after the light. May we make our, our time in your presence our priority. May we be lights of your goodness, your love, and your long-suffering towards one another, towards those that we love and encounter. Father, I just pray right now for every sister that is here that she walks in the fullness upon which you placed her on earth to walk in. May she experience and live in your love and being an example and a pattern of that love to all those that she impacts and encounters. And in doing so, Father, I realize and thank you in advance that we worship you. In doing so, in that, 
we honor you. In doing so and in that, we lift you up and you're glorified and your agenda and your kingdom is advanced. And there is a red carpet waiting for your return by the people, sisters and brothers alike that are called by your name, that seek your face and are humbled before you. May we not walk in the deception of the enemy, but may we yield ourselves to trusting you, the author and finisher of our faith, our beginning and our end, our alpha and our omega. Meet us at our deepest point of need in knowing that you love us. And may we be strengthened as a result. I thank you for the anointing that is on each and every one of my sisters, Father. And that you continue to show yourself, manifest yourself in great and mighty ways in their lives. Knowing that they too are here on assignment with a big, big, big calling. Reveal it to them. Seal them in it. Now, in Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Let's just rejoice in all that. Amen. You all can take your seats. Ultimately, Proverbs 31, chapter 10, just to bring it all back home. When he says, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. There's enough, not enough diamonds and gold in the earth to pay for what you're worth. He already paid the price. There's no value, there's no number that can play, be placed on what you bring to the table. So men of God, if you're married to her, the only thank you that you could give to her is to honor her and to love her. And that glorifies the Father. Amen. Amen. So I'm not going to do our typical altar call because I just believe that there's some of you that's really searching. And I'm not interested in some people can think that it's embarrassing, especially this generation, this younger generation, I should say. So we're just going to respond by way of this connection card. Jesus died for you as the ultimate example and standard of how much he loved you. And just to seal it, he went and paid your price of sin by going to hell for three days. But just so that you would not be faith, fear, afraid and live in fear, bound by fear, he rose again and said, listen, I paid it. It's done. I finished it for you. Now you can live life glorifying me without fear. You can live life loving me because I love you. You can live life spending time with me because I came and I spent time with you. In fact, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Because this is your extravagant, noteworthy, 
reason. No, he said, this is just the least that you can do. It's the least that you could do is to present your body a living sacrifice. And just know that when you put your body on an altar, when you lay this flesh down, the heat's going to come. That doesn't mean you get up and run. No, just know that he's sealing it and he's securing it on your behalf. So if you have not received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, we want to make sure we take care of that and erase that part of your history. Or perhaps you have, but you know you live life contrary to what you know God intends for you. You've been that strange woman. You've been that strange guy. You've lived life without instruction. You've been undisciplined. You've been immature. But you've also realized, just like I did in that journal entry, my way don't work. It's nothing like being a smart fool, thinking you have all the answers. And what did I say there? Only to end up tripping over your own lies, lines, and ambitions. Every time you think you figure it out and something else happens, you got to refigure it out. Some people call it being backslidden. We simply call it being out of fellowship. God already said is forever married to you. He says, I'm still the God of Jacob as well as Israel. I love them both the same. Or perhaps, you know, there's this divine subsequent experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the, with the Bible evidence of speaking in tongues. And it's not a spooky, scary experience. It's not a possessive experience. It's a sweet, engaging experience. Again, deepening your relationship with God. If you want to learn more about that, we'd be happy to share that information with you. And perhaps you want to get plugged into a church home. You can't grow unless you're planted somewhere. And if you believe Linked Up Church is a church home for you, hey, we'd be honored to receive you. We'd be honored to serve you as pastors. We are passionate about your victory. We are passionate about you winning. We are passionate about you being all that God has called you to be. So if you desire any of those prayers, what we're going to do today is I'm going to make this card available to you. It's called a connection card. If you received it when you came in, all I'm asking is that you fill out this card in its entirety. And at the bottom, it says, my decision today. Fill, out, fill that out as you deem appropriate. And I promise you, within the next 24 to 48 hours, a minister is going to call you. And they're going to answer whatever questions you have. But they're also going to make sure that you are understanding of the decision that you made, and that you're clear about it. And they're going to seal it with the word of God. We have ministers on assignment to do this every weekend. So if you desire this card and you want to fill it out later on in the service, next we're going to have the offering receptacle. When that offering, uh, the offering time, and when that receptacle goes by, we just ask that you place the completed card in that offering receptacle. And like I said, someone will process it and the minister will call you within the next 24 to 48 hours to meet you at your place of need. Life is too short to be trying to figure it out when someone has already figured it out for you. <laughs> there was a saying, you don't have to pay the same bill twice. So if that's you and you desire this card, just lift your hands and someone will serve you with this card. Amen. Did you all get anything out of this? Yeah. 
If you haven't heard the preceding messages, whether you're online or whether you're here, I encourage you to go on our website, download the SoundCloud messages of the blueprint as well as of the pattern. But ultimately, the bottom line of it all, because you can have everything in order. I know plenty of wealthy fools, and I know plenty of really productive women. Both of them foolish, because they're walking in their own strength, still in fear, not trusting anyone. Ultimately, the bottom line of it all is to know and love and trust God. To know and love and trust the God in you, so that you can love your neighbors. Amen. Amen. All right, now I have the privilege to announce that it is time to excel in the grace of giving. It is offering time. If you desire to offer an envelope, please lift your hand up in the air and one of our ushers or hostesses will be happy to serve you with one. If you're making a check, please make it payable to Linked Up Church. Did y'all get something out of it? I just feel like they're just here like, whoa. <laughs> 